This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I want to make it clear, I have nothing to do with that stuff, okay? They get my, my thoughts and they put it on video and you guys laugh, not at me, but at them. So praise the Lord. There you go. Hey, I welcome all of you today. If you need a Bible, get your hand up. We really, really want you to get a Bible in your hand. However you can, I believe it's very important that we live by the Word of God. We learn to get this on the inside of us and watch what God will do. Once you get a Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And so I'm going to give you large doses of the Word of God today. And some of you will say, well, what's new? Just a couple thoughts as you're turning to Hebrews 11. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, it says that He is a rewarder and a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto us. James 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. And so every one of those verses literally give me an invitation, but I'm going to have to make that step to do that. And so we start today with a man named Moses in verse 24 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. By faith. And when you read that, he lived for the future, not just for the moment. He realized there's more for later in life and eternity than just for the moment. The, the message says he refused the privilege of the Egyptian royal house or palace. And so literally here, I believe Moses was looking at how his life was, and he said, you know what, I don't want these walls erected in my life that keep me from the things of God. Verse 25, choosing, that's a big word, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions or the hardships with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures or the passing pleasures, the temporary pleasures of sin. Now it's interesting, he said right there, he said, I would rather live with the hardships, the afflictions of the other saints than to live with these passing pleasures of sin. Again, he was saying, I I don't want these walls in my life to divide me me from the things of God. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ or the reviling because of Christ, his greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. The New Living says, better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. And the treasures of Egypt were just a a view of the world, how it is today. Now, pay close attention how he ends in verse 26. And he says, for he looked to the reward. What that was talking about there is he looked to the eternal reward. He didn't just live for the things of life. Now, pay close attention to this, the word look there. The word look there, it literally means to look away from everything else in order to look intently at one object. Just to look intently at one object. He didn't have a list of objects. He just said that one object right there. And so we go back to some of the verses I I quoted. So much of that had to do with just one thing. Now, fast forward with me 40 years later, and Moses is living in the desert, and while he was in the desert, he has an encounter with God that changes his life forever. He experiences God's presence in a burning bush, and when he has that experience with God, 
It literally locates or directs the GPS of his heart for the rest of his time on the earth. And I believe this, that when we have an experience with God and, and we get in his presence and we remember those times, we never forget them. That's why King David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so Moses has this encounter and it sets his life forever. Now, every one of us in here, we begin to understand the goal of a GPS. It's to get us to our destination. So in my life, and this is how a lot of this was birthed. A couple months ago, me and Shelly were down in Dallas, and we were leaving an area of Dallas I wasn't familiar with. And she said, do you know how to get us home? Duh. You don't ask a man that stuff. So I said, yeah, I know which way to go, to the north, the south. And she said, well, the GPS says go this way. I said, let's follow the GPS. So we get going. The traffic is crazy, 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 bumper to bumper. We're going along, and all of a sudden, the, the voice on my GPS says, exit in 500 feet. So I begin to move to the right, and I move to the right, and, and I'm positioning myself strategically. And then it says, in 100 feet, make a left exit. I'm like, oh, it doesn't say right. It says left. So... Some of you have ever rode with me. You know, I'm really creative at driving. And I realize that this situation, I don't know how creative I better be today. So I stay in the right lane and I miss the exit. And stuff like that just really, really irritates me. Actually, my wife will tell you, he is one of the most laid back people in the history of the world until you put him behind a steering wheel. And then he grows horns. And so I miss, and I literally hear the thing saying, reroute, reroute, and at the next intersection, make a legal U-turn. And, and as Pastor Jimmy was talking on it, that was me. I talked back to him, and I said, shut up. I don't need a permission to make a legal U-turn. I'll make an illegal U-turn if I want. And so ultimately, we make a U-turn, we get back, and we get to a point where it says destination arrived. Now, I believe today that GPS were created for the prayers of women. I really do. I think it's just for women to help you out with us guys. But here just for a second. What is the GPS of your heart programmed to today? Right now. And to help you answer that question. What one single desire moves you? It motivates you. Now just think about that. Right? Just one. Not a list. Just one. Now, the way we as humans, we begin to think and focus, it could have a list that looks like this. Well, a, a pastor, I want this job. I, I want money. I want fame. I want riches. I want a spouse. I want this certain type of job. I want to be the head or the best in my occupation. And guess what? None of those are wrong, but they can be off target. And so as a pastor, I can stand here and say, I've said this out of my mouth, Lord, I, I, I want to see the multitudes come to know you. I want to see Mark 16 come to life where we lay hands on the sick, they recover. We do all those things it tells us. And you know what? Every one of those things are good things, but they can still be off target of the best thing. And this is how a lot of this was birthed in my heart with this. And so we, we follow this to the book of Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33, 
And we'll let the scriptures really begin to give us a little focus here. So again, we're talking about the guy Moses right now. Pick up with me in Exodus 33 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. Now understand here, God had promised to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. And so God said, I'm going to do it. I promised it, so I'm going to do it. Verse 2. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out all these different ites. You can read them yourself. Verse 3. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, this is what God says to Moses. He said, I want you to go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. A promise. But God throws a little twist in here. And he said, for I will not go up in your midst. You go on up to the land that I promised, but I'm not going to go up with you. So literally, he was telling Moses, my presence will not accompany you. My presence will not go with you. And so when you look at this guy named Moses right here, he begins to understand, I would rather stay in the wilderness with the presence of God than go to the promised land without the presence of God. And when you look here, you can say, well, why did God say that? Well, look at the last of verse 3. He said, at least I consume or destroy you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked, you are stubborn, you are hard-hearted people. And any time we, we start drifting from the things of God, this is what begins to happen for any one of us in the room. My heart begins hard toward the things of God, and that's where they were at, and this is why God said this. Same chapter, verse 7. Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of the meeting. Now, the tabernacle of the meeting was a place where Moses would go to get into the presence of God. Actually, it was the place where he would meet with God, a place where he would uh, 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 commune with God. God, I just want a fellowship. I just want to hang out with you. Keep reading here, and he, he begins to show us some things. And it came to pass that everyone, everyone, everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of the meeting, which was outside the camp. Now, it shows me here every one of them had the the opportunity to do it. It's the same with me and you today. Every one of us in this room right now have the opportunity to come meet with God. But many times I choose not to. Verse 8. So it was when Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. Each man stood at his tent door. And they watched Moses until he'd gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of the cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Now, how many of us have said this? I would like for God to talk to me. I believe probably every one of us at one time or another have said that. But here's the deal. Do I take the time, do I make the effort to meet with God? See, Moses wasn't a superhero. He was just a man. But when he had that burning bush experience and he tasted and saw the presence of God, he said, man, I want to go around that. I want to get around that. Verse 10, 
And all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And the people rose and they worshiped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How many of us would want to say, man, I want to be a friend to God. But when you go and study the Bible and you see how many men or women were friends of God, there weren't very many. And so again, I want to experience God like Moses did, but I don't want to do what Moses did to get there. And when we talk about a friend to God, there's only several references in the Bible that talk about that. Uh, Moses was one. Uh, Abraham was one. That's 2 Chronicles 20 that it talks about Abraham being a friend of God. And you remember this with Abraham that God was so close with Abraham that before God destro uh, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, I won't do it until I talk to my friend, Moses, or my friend Abraham. And remember in that passage, Abraham becomes like an auctioneer. And he said, God, would you, restore, or would you uh, destroy it if there was just 50? And God said, no. He said, how about 40? How about 30? Well, remember, he gets all the way down to 10. And he listens to Abraham, the friend of God. See, every one of us would like the desire to be a friend of God, to know God face to face. But do I take time to meet with him? Keep reading. And so he would return, talking about Moses, to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. Now, if you follow the Bible here, this guy named Joshua is ultimately the one that leads the Israelites into the promised land. But at this time in his life, Moses is getting old. And you see, Moses still seeks him when he's old. But now you get this young guy named Joshua. And Joshua, at a young age, he begins to see the significance of getting into the presence of God. See, when he led the Israelites into the land that flowed with milk and honey, it wasn't because he had seniority. It was because of this. I'm talking to you young ones right now. You're not too young to seek God. You're not too young to get into the presence of God. And I encourage you to begin to do that. Begin to say, Lord, I want to serve you. And you know what else is in this passage right here? If you note the order it was, Joshua was a servant before he became a leader. Don't get that out of order. Too many times in our society, we want to be the leader, but I don't want to be the servant. That's not how it works. Keep reading, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you've also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if, you found, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider this nation as your people. Now, this was what he was saying to God, and God responds in verse 14, And the Lord said, my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. Now, if you know right there, God didn't say, hey, my promises will go with you. He said, my presence will go with you. We can't be the people of God without the presence of God. Now, look at the next verse. Verse 15. Then Moses said to the Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. You know what the message says? He says, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, call the whole trip off. 
And so you begin to see right here, this guy named Moses, he got in that one encounter in the burning bush with God, and he began to say, oh, I've got to get in the presence of God. I've got to get there. And again, he was saying, Lord, if your presence don't go with us, I'm going to stay in the wilderness. I don't want to go in there. And it's the same for every one of us in this room. So you go back and look. His, his priority, his single most desire was this. I got to get in the presence of God. I got to come to worship God. I got to come to hang out with God. Now, turn with me to Exodus 7. And we're going to bounce around here just a little bit in Exodus to begin to show you some things. Where I'm at right now is I'm backing up in history. But when God told Moses to lead the Israelites out, Moses said, who do I tell the Pharaoh sent me? And God said, you tell him I am that I am sent me. In other words, you tell him daddy sent you. And I get tickled because that as a child growing up, I got an older brother. And when we would play and, and my dad would, would call us in to eat, I remember one time, my dad said, you guys come home and eat. And I went home and my dad said, where's your brother? And I said, he's down the street playing. He said, go get him until it's time to eat. So I went back and I said, hey, it's time to eat. And he's an older brother and he said, shut up, get out of here. So I went back home and my dad said, where's your brother at? I said, he told me to shut up and leave. And my dad said, you tell him. Dad said, come home and eat. So now as a little brother, I rejoice in that. I walked back down there and I said, Dad said, come and eat. He got on that bike and he moved fast. And so I realized when Daddy, Father God speaks, stuff begins to happen. So watch in this passage here, and I'm going to break it down real, just real short. Exodus 7, verse 16. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Now why am I highlighting that? In chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10, on seven different occasions, this was the exact wording, that they may go and serve me in the wilderness. That word serve there literally means worship. That they may go worship me in the desert. That became priority. It was nothing referenced about the promises, the land that flows with milk he said that they may worship me. And so think about it in this sense. Do I seek the promises of God above the presence of God? And again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Things may not be bad. Those things that I talked about, they're not bad things. They're just not the best thing. And when you begin to look at the, the Israelites' life here, Getting into God's presence wasn't priority. It wasn't a big deal to them. But it was to Moses. And Moses had set his GPS for life. And he said, there's the, there's the destination right there. i got to keep getting in the presence of God. Now, turn just a couple books to Exodus 21. Right there where you're at. Or Exodus 20. Exodus 20. And we start in verse 18. Now, all the people. The reason I want to highlight all this morning, that's every one of us in this room. So as this begins to play out here, the scriptures, every one of us in this room are in this story right here. Keep reading. Now, all the people, they witnessed the thunderings, the lightnings, the flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. 
Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we'll hear you, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Now, I think at times where we get messed up as Christians, we have this thought we're going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect, okay? Never. But when I get born again, there should be something in my heart that begins to say, Lord, I I don't want to sin. I don't want to be dominated by sin. And there's a compensation for sin. It says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And so God didn't put that clause in there to be ugly to us. He put that in there to be good to us. Now watch what transpires here in verse 21. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near. That's where me and you, we come into the story. If you note, there's only two options. You're either going to stand afar off or you're going to draw near. And so when I stand afar off like the Israelites did, you know what that really says? I know about God, but I don't know God. See, we can know about God, but we can't know, we can, we can also not know him in an intimate way. And so literally with these guys, they didn't know God in an intimate way. And so when they would come into the presence of God, it was like saying, God, I'm going to give you my scraps. I'm going to give you my leftovers. I'm not going to give you my best. But this guy named Moses, he said, man, I got to get in the presence of God. I got to come into his presence. And so with the Israelites here, their life was so stained with sin. They had left Egypt, but Egypt had never left them. And they settled for something was okay, but it wasn't the best. So you begin to see over and over how this guy named Moses, his GPS was set. Now, turn with me to Psalm 27, the 27th Psalm. And, and I'm going to change characters in the story here now. We're now with King David. And I want you to really focus on his prayer here. Just one verse. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing, the message says, only one thing I have desired or asked of the Lord. Now look at that. He said, one thing, just one thing. Now note what he asked for here. That I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And the Amplified says there, the presence of the Lord. Keep reading. All the days of my life. You know what David tells me right there? He wasn't just a Sunday morning Christian. See, many times we're a saint on Sunday and then we live like the world on Monday. But David was saying, Lord... I want to seek you all the days of my life. I want your presence every day of my life. And he ends with this and he says, to behold the beauty or to contemplate the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of his temple. And right there, it literally means that he would come to the feet and he would hear the word of God. There's not one thing mentioned in his prayer about the things of the world. Everything funneled to the presence of the living God. He said, man, I got to get in God's presence. That's the necessity. Now, 
Jesus said this in, in Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. Remember, there was two sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha was caught up with much serving. And Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, Martha, you're messed up. You're off track because of all this serving. Was serving a bad thing? No. But he said, Mary has found the one thing. Mary's found the one thing. And if you backtrack in that passage... In verse 39, I believe it is, that Mary came to the feet of Jesus and she heard the word. And Jesus said, just that one thing. Just that one thing. And so I begin to look at my life and I think, Lord, am I off track? My GPS is off track. I'm, I'm wanting this and this, but it's not the best thing. The best thing is just to come right here and, and to sit at your feet and to hear your word. And I challenge you to do this this week, that I come right here and I sit and I say, Lord, I don't want anything. I just want to be in your presence. And we're all programmed when we come into the presence of God most of the time. We get our ask list out and we say, Lord, you got to help this person. And I need you to move in that person. And I want this and I want that. And we say, thank you, God. Adios. But do I ever come in in my prayers? As a, I just want to worship. I just want to praise you. I just want to get into your presence. Turn with me to Psalm 51. And we're getting close. We only got about two more hours. <laughs> so now we're tracking this guy named David who says, one thing I desire, Lord. We follow his life and he gets off track. Not just a little bit, he gets off track bad. And he gets into sexual sin with a woman named Bathsheba and to cover his tracks... He has to have her husband, Uriah the Hittite, uh, assassinated. And, and this man of God, who at one time was seeking God, his heart gets so hard that he won't repent of it for a year. And finally, the Lord sends the prophet Nathan, and Nathan confronts him, and he repents. Now, this is where we're at in Psalm 51. Start me with me in verse 1, and listen, listen to David's prayer now, after he's gotten off track. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your love and kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Now watch how many times he uses the word my. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David takes responsibility for his choices. And I don't know about you, but I, I love the clause that Father God gave us that when we mess up in 1 John 1, 9, He said, if you'll confess your sins, I'll forgive you and I'll cleanse you. Literally, you know what verses 1 through 3 are to me today? It's when King David did a U-turn in his life. He realized, I'm going in the wrong direction. And so every one of us in this room, if you're going in the wrong direction, you don't know Jesus is Lord, or maybe you're backslidden and you're going the wrong way, we're going to live this. We're going to do this today. Right here. 
right here. And, and I can, I don't know if you can see this. This is one of the most marked passages in all my Bible. You know why? Because I've blown it. I've gotten in sin before, and I said, Lord, my sin is before you. My transgressions are before you. Only against you, Lord, have I sinned. I don't want to do that. Now, he doesn't end there. Watch verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So now, you know what he's doing? He's rerouting. And, and when he says this here in verse 10, the message says, shape a Genesis week in the chaos of my life. The word Genesis means a new beginning. So King David said, Lord, I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. Reroute me. But he doesn't end there. Verse 11. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And if you'll notice there, when King David's life is rerouting here, he doesn't say, Lord, don't make me not be king anymore. Don't take my silver and my gold. Don't take all the possessions of there. The treasure in his life, he said, don't take your presence from me. Don't take your presence from me, Father God. And there were days I would have to ask that. Was, was that the desire of my heart? Father God, I've got to have your presence. I've got to have you. And so I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you need to be, make a legal U-turn. And you know why it's legal? Because God told us in the scriptures we can repent. And maybe today you need a reroute. And maybe today your life is so good with you that your only prayer, you need to say, Father God, pull me a little deeper. Draw me closer than I've ever been before. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.